Hi, my name is Genesis, and we want to welcome you to Free Life Chapel, where we help you discover and live the free life in Christ. Listen, we want to get connected with you. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment below on your thoughts about today's message. To stay updated on current events and exciting things that are happening right here, feel free to visit our website at freelifechapel.org. Until then, we have an awesome message in store just for you. Check this out. Stand to your feet, Free Life Chapel. Put your hands together for Scott Williams. I love you. All right, all right, Free Life Chapel. Let's go ahead and start this thing off right. If you know that God is good all the time, let me hear you make some noise. You may be seated. After that intro, I, I think I'm going to take Pastor Cindy on the road with me. That was, uh, I feel like I need a really, really good hype, man. That was awesome. I, um, I'm really excited to be able to, to share God's word. I want to welcome everybody to join us all around the world online. As Pastor said, my name is Scott Williams. I bring you greetings from the great state of Oklahoma, uh, the city of Oklahoma City. I used to always say home of the something NBA champs. I don't even talk about our Thunder team anymore, but uh, it is all good. See, I'll say, oh, some of y'all were Orlando fans. I'm just saying, uh, but uh, it could be worse, right? But, uh, but no, I'm excited to be able to share God's word. I love this church. I love this house. I love your past. One thing I love about them is they're the real deal. What you see is what you get. They keep it a buck. Translation, they keep it a hundred. They're awesome. And you might get the opportunity to do this all the time. Just give a hand clap to your pastors, who they are, what they do. They're awesome. And um, again, like for me, like I get a chance to go preach all around the world. I get a chance to do some consulting, work with amazing people, amazing leaders. And it's really, really cool. But like there's some people that are just friends. Matter of fact, last night when I was getting ready to get prepared to come up here, I was reflecting back on how long ago that Pastor Scott and I met. It's been like 12 or 13 years ago. We were on TBN together and just hanging out. We've been friends ever since. I just love him. I love his heart. I mean, I remember back in the day we were at this TBN interviews. Like, yeah, I'm married to this man, Puerto Rican woman. She's a ball of fire. She's, the, you know, we just, I just love him. I love church. I love their family. It's really cool to see all that God is doing now through Caleb and just opening up doors. I mean, and you guys are really cool because you're a part of this. You're, you're going to be blessed because you're part of a house. You're part of leaders who are blessed. They're doing it the right way. They're doing it with integrity. You ain't got to worry about nobody doing something the way they ain't supposed to be doing it. So again, great, great place. And we're going to have fun today. I mean, you guys are in this series where you're talking about got game, right? I mean, you're looking at all these different games and some of you guys are from a generation where you don't even know what board games are. Like, you know what I'm saying? And some of you, the older folks in here, the vintage folk, as I like to call ourselves, uh, you know, because I'm a brother's vintage, you know what I'm saying? I got a 23-year-old son that just started dental school at the University of Oklahoma, and then I have a 19-year-old son that plays college football in Missouri. Yeah, y'all give a hand clap for that. And just to say that a brother is getting older and wiser and better and all that. And so as you're finishing up this series, like in a couple of weeks, everybody say two weeks. In two weeks, you're starting a new series. It's called what? Launch. You're starting a new series. It's called what? Launch. And it's launching when? Two weeks. On what? 9-11. Everybody say 9-11. 9-11. Two weeks. A new series launch. And one thing about that word launch, launch literally means to propel something forward, to catapult something, to move something to a new place and a new destination. And many students are starting a new school year. Many of you guys are stepping into a new season. And, and what launch is going to do is it's going to launch you to a new destination because many of you guys, you're, you're at a place through, through COVID and through last year, and you're like, you're not where you want to be. But what launch is going to do is going to help you launch to where you need to be. So you need to make sure that you're here. 
And more importantly, don't come without bringing a friend. Because it's not enough for you to come here and sit in your comfortable Christian chair and there's some friends and family members that are out there that they need to come in here and hear the good news of Jesus that's going to happen right here in this room. And those of you online, we love you. And online is great, but there's no substitute for walking in and experiencing God and being a part of community. So I'm telling you, like, how many guys by a show of hands will commit to bringing somebody with you for launch? By a show of hands? Okay, if, if, if all of y'all are telling the truth and God is watching you, right? There shouldn't be any seats in here. I'm just saying, so that's going to be between you and God on 9-11, not me. You know what I'm saying? But, um, but make sure you, you log, you invite some people, bring some friends because, man, God has a, a word and people are going to be in a really, really cool situation. I, you guys got a chance to hear Pastor Scott is at Church by the Glaze. Again, one thing about us pastors, like when you're connected to a community, like you kind of like to invite your homies in those communities because you trust one another, right? I was just at Church by the Glades a couple of weeks ago. Love their pastors. just so great. Pastor David and Lisa, just amazing friends. And, and I remember I was preaching there one time. And one thing about Pastor David, like, he's a great encourager. One time I, I got off stage like Scott. He's like, you remind me of a, of a young Billy Graham repackaged. And, and again, as, as a, like a young black, he said, young black Billy Graham repackaged. Let me say that. And for, for, as a preacher and a communicator, somebody telling you you're a, a Billy Graham anything, that's like the greatest compliment ever. And some of you guys may not know Dr. Graham's life, but he was like, he was a leader amongst leaders. He was way ahead of his generation. As a matter of fact, in 1957, he sold out Madison Square Garden 16 weeks in a row. Nobody's ever done that. Madison, I mean, Billy Graham, like, he was the man, like he was, so when he said that, it was just, again, one of the greatest compliments that I could receive. And as I began to study Dr. Graham's life and learn different stories about him, again, learned that he was a leader of leaders. He was a, ahead of his time on issues of race and, and ethnicity and the gospel and how it's delivered in a manner to where people, no matter what walk you come from, you come through the doors, you come to this, this revival and you experience the love of Jesus and your life has changed forever. That's who he was. And I hear, heard a story of Dr. Graham in the later years of his ministry. Dr. Graham, he was like, he liked to be really prepared. He did things in a very regimented way. And he was actually on a, a crusade in East Florida and on the coast. And so he's here, he's in Florida, he's doing his crusade. And he liked to get to the airport early. And so he called his driver to pick him up as he was finishing speaking and get ready to go to the airport. So the limo driver comes to pick up Dr. Graham and he picks him up and, and, he get, and the limo driver pulls up. Oh, Billy Graham gets his stuff together. And he's like, he told the limo driver, he's like, look, he says, I've done lots of things in my life and in my ministry, but the one thing that I've never done is I've never driven a limo. And so the limo driver's looking at him like, okay, what's this got to do with me, right? And so he's like, never driven. He said, do you think that I could drive the limo? He was like, no, no, Dr. Graham, you can't drive the limo. And, and he said, Dr. Graham insisted, so he decided to let Dr. Graham drive the limo. So Dr. Graham is driving the limo. The limo driver gets in the back seats, all right? And so they say he gets on the highway, he, Dr. Graham gets on I-95 and he literally punches it and he's going 95. <laughs> so Dr. Graham going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit on I-95 and they're rolling. And the limo driver's just in the back seat. He's just riding, he's just riding, he's riding. And he said, literally, he, he looked, he said, next thing you know, he sees some lights flashing. And they were getting pulled over by a state trooper. So he goes and they get pulled over and the state trooper comes up. Uh, license and registration, please. And then the state trooper realized, like, oh, no, it's Billy Graham. He's like, oh, no, sir, never mind. Hold on one second. He's like, no, I was speeding. I was speeding. Just write me the ticket. He's like, no, 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 hold on a second. So he goes, and he goes back, and he radios into, he says, I need to speak to a supervisor. Supervisor gets on. He starts having a conversation. He's like, 
Okay, I have a, a very important person. I have a VIP that's pulled over, but he was going more than 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. What should I do? He's like, well, who is a very important person? He's like, no, it's a, it's a, a very important person. He said, who is it? Is it Governor Jeb Bush? He's like, no, no more important than Jeb Bush. Is it President George W. Bush? Like, no, more important than George W. Bush. He said, well, well, who is it then? He's like, I don't know, but I think it's Jesus because Billy Graham is his driver. <laughs> All that to say that today we're going to talk about Jesus. And so that sets the stage where we're going to look at, and what we're going to look at is we're going to look in Mark's gospel, and uh, Mark is the first gospel, it's the shortest gospel, and it's written to, you know, there's a look in the text of what we're going to look at today, it's written to a group of Gentiles who are living in the context of, of the Roman Empire, again, they're under persecution and challenge, and again, when, when this situation is going on, like, you don't need, as I look at it, you don't need the, the lengthy words of, of Luke the physician or, or Matthew the tax collector, you need the, the get to the point, the Instagram version, the keep it 100 version of Marky Mark. And so we're going to look at, at, at Mark's account of this story, and I think it's really, really important because, again, you got what's going on, this whole region, this entire region of Galilee, and at the end of Mark, Jesus there, his first disciples, he, he calls out an impure spirit, and, and Peter's mother-in-law has a fever, he's casting out demons, there's disease, and there's leprosy, there's all these things going on, and again, everybody hears about all these stories and stuff that's happening with Jesus and these miracles that are happening, and everybody's getting excited, they want to do, what can they do to get close to Jesus, so people again from a variety of villages, they start coming, they're wanting to get, get close to Jesus. And so Jesus continues his journey. He travels down the northern fishing village of the Sea of Galilee to the city of Capernaum. And again, I, you know your pastor, like he's big on Israel. I got a chance to go to Israel a few years ago, took a group of young pastors. And the amazing thing about it, if you haven't got a chance to do it, is when you go and walk, it's almost like you're, you're looking and seeing the Bible in 3D. And like all these stories that you hear about, you see where it happened. You see the house where Peter was. You see the Sea of Galilee. You see where Jesus quieted the storms. And so it's just amazing. Like if you haven't done it, I encourage you to do it, to go. It should be a, man, a mission of every single believer is to go and to experience that. But it's amazing. So I got a chance to see these areas where everything was happening. So again, it's the North Shore. All these things are happening. And here's where we're going to pick up. In the story. So again, what we're going to look at, it's going to be amazing. Jesus is going to open your eyes to something really, really fresh. I, I truly believe that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read Mark 2, verse 1 through 12 in its entirety. Then I'll come back and we'll just uh, preach it a few verses at a time. Here's the Bible says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit 
that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, he took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. They praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. You see, this is a story about proximity. It's a story about how they were trying to get this paralyzed man in proximity to Jesus. This is a story about the reason this man was able to get to Jesus because he was in proximity to, to four people that were willing to do their part and to be willing to take their friend and to get him there. And again, I, I think about it when we think about this, like there's power in proximity. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn around to your neighbor. The title of today's message is The Power of Proximity. Turn around to your neighbor and say The Power of Proximity. Turn around to your other neighbor, the one that was your second choice, and say, the power of proximity. Again, one, one thing, like when my kids were in sports early on, like I wanted them in proximity to, to people that would challenge them. Like they were in sports, like we live in the suburbs, right? And they would compete in whatever sport they did, track, everything, they would dominate. I'm like, man, we need to, we need to elevate the game. So we took and we, en we enrolled them into some, some, some sporting events and some leagues in the hood. All of a sudden, they weren't dominating. I'm just saying, I'm just, like things, things were different, but we, we wanted them in proximity to some, some different people that would challenge and elevate them. And I encourage you, like, you got to make sure that you're in proximity to people that are going to elevate who you are, that are going to elevate what you are, and more importantly, going to elevate where you are going. And so that's what we got to do. We got to make sure that we're in proximity. And as I think about this series, Got Game, I was thinking, what are all the games out there? There's so many games that are out there I was trying to look at. I had to remember some of them. And again, one that came to mind, this is this game right here. It's called Operation. How many of you guys played Operation by a show of hands? Oh, wow, we got all the old folks in here. Young folks have no idea. You know what I'm saying? This is the over 30 crowd, over 40 crowd or something. The young folks like, Operation, what is that? What is that? What is that? And the cool thing about Operation is like you got this little thing right here, right? This little, this little thing. And if you touch the sides of it, like you see it lights up and it buzzes, right? See, a little like, you know, so what happens is when you're, when you're doing operation, you're trying to go in and you're trying to, to either grab whatever the things are in there. If you got the funny bone and you got the tray, all these different things, you try to grab them. But what you don't want to do is if you touch the edge, it beeps and you don't win, right? You want to go in there real smooth and grab them and pull it out and you get points and money as you go in and you're performing this operation without bumping the edges. And when we look at life and the things that we need to do, and we talk about proximity, we got to make sure that in life what we don't want to do, those edges that we don't want to bump into is sin. Those edges that we don't want to bump into are doing things that we know are not honoring God. Those edges that we don't want to bump into, because guess what it does? It's, it's, it's going to be a little, you know what I'm saying? And unfortunately for some people, you feel that, and you just keep going, and you keep going and you find yourself in a situation that you're in right now. Or you find yourself in the worst situation of your life, but what you will do if you're in proximity to, to the right people, they're gonna say, yo, hey man, like, no man, don't, don't get out there. 
Don't, don't get against that edge. You know what? Get, get, in, get in community. Get in a small group. You got to come to the launch. You got to make sure that you're ready. You got to make sure that you're staying in proximity to the, to the right. Matter of fact, you're taking notes. Here's the first thing. We're going to look at the three keys to unlock the power of proximity. The first thing you got to do is you got to be willing to, to be in proximity to the right people. The right people. Everybody say the right people. Because, again, one thing that proximity does, like, what is this thing right here called? Yeah, it's not a trick question. Metal detector, exactly. <laughs> Those online, I don't know. <laughs> and what a metal detector does is when you get in proximity to the metals, guess what it does? It goes off. And so what you got to find yourself in situations in life, like when you find yourself in situations where like you want to be in proximity to things that are winning, you go in and, and you want the metal detector to go off. Like, okay, I sense this. There's proximity here. Like, I feel this. Oh, yeah, this is a good situation. There's some winning here. People are on stage here. I can feel some things that are happening. But many of you guys, you go in a situation and you don't feel no winning. Like, you, you're hanging out at the bars. You're hanging out at the clubs. You're hanging out with a man or woman that you know is not God's best and you just want to keep on walking. But after today, you're going to begin to look at things differently because just like the game of operation, it's important that you're in proximity to the right people. And as a matter of fact, here's what the Bible says. Let's go ahead and look at verse, uh, verse 1 again. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard what? They heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. In other words, the house was packed. Amen. And then what happened? And he did what? And he preached the word to them. I love that. Just preached the word. And it says, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So again, they, they noticed they called him a paralyzed man. They didn't even call him by his name, right? And, and what happens in life, sometimes like that, if, if your condition persists long enough, you'll be called by your condition rather than your name. The, the paralyzed man, John the alcoholic, Joe the adulterer, Sally the stripper. Like, like whatever that name is, if your condition persists for long enough, you'll begin to be called by that, that, that condition rather than the position that God is calling you to. And some of you guys, you got to quit accepting those labels, but this man was on a mat, so we're going to give him a name. He was on a mat, we're going to call him Matt. And, and so you had Matt that was on the mat. And again, like, he, he was stuck, and miss, this man was stuck by some sort of palsy. And although many of you, you, you're not, you don't have a, a palsy, but you're stuck by some things of life. You're stuck by holding on to the things that happened to you as a child. You're stuck by holding on to the things that happened to you in your last relationship. You're stuck by holding on to the things that happened to you by a family member, a businessman, somebody that was supposed to be a friend. And you're stuck on your mat, and you're holding on to those things. Some of you guys know a little bit of my story I've shared before. I used to work in the prison system for many years and I was a prison warden at the age of 25. I was the youngest prison warden in the country and didn't know that was going to prepare me for ministry until I went into full-time ministry. I learned there's a lot of similarities between leading a prison and leading a church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Pastor's like, yes, amen, amen. <laughs> Biggest difference is we get to go home, you know what I'm saying? But, um, but our, 
And once I got off the, you know, once I got out of the prison system, the, the governor asked me to sit on our pardon and parole board. Every state has a pardon and parole board. We're the ones that basically decides whether someone is pardoned, which means you wipe their slate clean, they're paroled, which means they're released early, or you commute their sentence from like a 20-year to a 10-year. And so that we do. So every month we have hundreds and hundreds of files we got to go through, and it's a five-person board, and, and we interview all these residents, inmates that are coming in front of us. And I remember we were interviewing this one guy, and we'll just call him Lou for the sake of our time together. And as we're interviewing Lou, like Lou was telling us his story like he'd been in prison for you know 34 years and and he said he just remembered as he looked back at his life and every inmate has a story of what caused it but he said he realized that every single time he found himself in trouble it was because he was around the wrong people and so when you think about it, this man right here like I don't know what the situation with these four people were with him, but he was around the right four people. I don't know if he was sitting there on the mat wine talking about this is just the story of my life. Yeah, Pastor, that sounds good for you. You don't know my finance. Have you seen my bank account? And, and I, no, I can't never. I'm just going to always be this way. And he had four friends that were like, yo, man, let's, hey, I mean, we heard we can get you in front of Jesus. He's been healing some people. Or we don't know if he was on the mat like, hey, like, fellas, man, will y'all get me to Jesus? He was willing to ask. Pastor Cindy mentioned earlier, sometimes like we, we don't want to ask, right? Like we don't want to ask for help. But maybe he called out and said, yo, can y'all help me get to Jesus? But either way, we don't know how he got there, but we know that he had, he had four people. And what we're going to call, we're going to call those people our, our core four. And so my question for you today is like, who are your core four? Who are those four people that no matter what your situation is, they're, they're going to get you in front of Jesus? No matter what your situation is, they're going to help you get to a place where you can be elevated. They're going to get you a situation where you can launch your life into a, a new destiny, into a new stratosphere, into a new situation. Like, who are those core four for you? And if you don't have them, my, my question and, and, cha and challenge for you today is to, to find them. And then the other question is, what is your mat? What is that thing that's holding you down? Is it complacency? Is it unforgiveness? Drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it coming to church and putting on your fake church face when you got some real life sins going on? Right. Right. Is, 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 what, what, what is your match? What is that thing that's holding you back? Is it anxiety? Is it worrying about things that you can't even control? That, that's what anxiety is. Again, you're worried about the past that you can't control. You're worried about the future that you can't control. And you're not embracing and, and appreciating the, the present. And, and that's why it's called the present, because it's a gift. It's the only thing that you're guaranteed. You can't be worried about the past. You can't be worried about the future. But what are you going to do in the present? Looking for a godly man or a godly woman? Going to the bars and clubs and trying to find them? You ain't going to find them there. I'm just telling you. I mean, some of you guys, like, you're, like, you're single. You're being, I wish God would send me a godly woman, a godly man. By a show of hands, how many of you guys are single? Single folks, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, keep them, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Keep them up. Everybody look around. Look around. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to help you all out. I'm trying to help you all out. Online, type it in the chat. Yeah, single, ready to mingle. You know what I'm saying? Like, lady in the back right there was like, sir, third row, third row, raise your hand again, third row, third row. <laughs> again, some of you guys, when you talk about those people, like, people will show you who they are, but unfortunately, oftentimes, we don't want to believe them. When they show you who they are, you got to believe them. You, you got to start walking with that metal detector, ladies, when you great date somebody, you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Ain't no winning in here. You playing video games all day. Like, you ain't even on the podium, not even fifth 
place. You know what I'm saying? Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. But some of y'all want to make excuses. Well, he's looking for a job. It's, it's a pandemic. <laughs> okay, so right people. Second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Proximity to the right places. Everybody say places. Again, so we look at the place like this house, like the structure of this house, like how it was made. It was made of like thatch and mud. And we talk about the roof, like the roof, it would be like almost like a stucco. And so the roof was very flat. We would think about it in our time like a modern day deck. And so that's what it was. So that was the structure of the house. And so let's go to uh, verse 4. Here's the Bible says. Since they could not get him to Jesus, why? Because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof uh, above Jesus by doing what? By digging. By digging through and they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Some, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, again, if you look at this, this text, I think it's really, really important. Like, I encourage you to read this story in the other gospel accounts. If you look at Matthew's account, the reason I didn't use Matthew's account, I'm not hating on Matthew, but I, I think this one is important because in Matthew's account, he leaves out the part about the roof. Again, I'm not hating on his account, but as I look at it, like, he, he wants to just share that there's some key parts of this miracle that needs to happen. And, and because, again, like, we got to understand that, like, you got to be able to dig through the roof because we live and there's a generation that wants what mom and dad and them had right now because you're used to getting things door dashed to you're used to thinking things microwave you want things right now you don't understand sometimes there takes some work and there takes some digging for you to get to what God wants you to do and for you to get to Jesus you got to dig and you got to keep digging and you got to keep digging and you got to keep digging and that's what it counts I look at his account it's like okay some digging happened and that digging was important you got to just keep digging because again like Peter like some scholars tell you that the house they were at was Peter's house I mean, y'all think about this. Y'all know Peter a little crazy, right? Peter in Peter's house, and like they start, they start cutting the roof open, and Peter's like, yo, you know I will cut you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so they're sitting there, and they're digging in the roof, and they're dropping him down. But like, I, again, I don't know what you've been facing. Sickness, disease, you came out of COVID, it was rough for you. You lost your job, your finance, your bank account, zero. You're in some financial troubles, you're in some health troubles, you're in some legal battle, whatever it is. But you gotta just understand, like you get proximity to the right people and, and proximity to the right place, you gotta just keep digging. I don't know what you're facing today, I don't know what heavy weights you came in here lifting today. But you gotta point towards the right people, point towards Jesus and get in the right places. Like you're here at church, so I'm preaching to the choir, literally. You're in the right places, but you gotta get in the right places if you wanna run the right races, and that's what's important. And some of you guys are have friends and family that you know are not in the the right places, and so and you think about this, and I look at this text, because you're going to talk about the right place, it really matters. Like, places matter. Because, like, where you hang out at, it matters. Because every place will take you somewhere, but the question is, is it taking you to the place that you want to be, right? There, there, there's, there's a difference between a, a book club, a strip club, and Pornhub. They will all take you somewhere. But the question is, are they taking you to the place that you want to go? 
are, you, are they taking you to the place that Jesus would have you go? Because I'm here to tell you, like, some of you guys are like, well, I don't know. I'm just kind of just trying, just kind of doing my thing. You know, kind of just the universe. You know what I'm saying? The universe and, you know, whatever. Like, but you got to make sure that you're connected to the right people and connected to the right places because it matters. And again, like, you, you got to be, and when you connect to the right places, you'll find, and the Holy Spirit will begin to convict you. Like, you'll think those thoughts, like, should I be here? Then you will capture those thoughts and make it obedient to Christ. You, you think those negative thoughts and gossiping, you will capture those thoughts and make it obedient to Christ. You, you will think, oh, well, maybe I'll just settle for this. Maybe it's not going to be my story. Maybe I'm not supposed to have that and this. But then you're going to capture those thoughts and make it obedient to Christ because Jesus is going to remind you, like, no, you should have that. Because that's who you are. Like, because that's how I've made you because that's what I want for you. And many of you guys have been settling because you haven't been in proximity to the right people in the right places. And last thing, if you're taking notes, again, it's, it's, it's people, places, and things. Everybody say proximity to the right things. And this is when the band will come out and play behind me and make me sound more spiritual. As should have had them come out of the front. This mess with a preacher. Like, and the Lord said. Anyway, go ahead. Um, y'all take y'all's time. My clock is ticking. But uh, let's go. I'm just playing, y'all. Kind of. But, uh, verse 8. So I think, man, operation is just such a good analogy because the bottom line is with operation, it was certain areas that's on the body. And all of us have different areas that we need to ask God to come do some, some surgery on. Some of you, it's a, a broken heart. Some of you, it's, it's messed up thinking. Some of you, it's, it's just, man, you, like health-wise, there's some things you need to do. And you got to be willing to do your part. And today, like, you're going to get in proximity to these things that are going to allow it to happen. Because here's how proximity works. I, there's the, you know, when you get in front of those proximity sensors, I've shared this before in the door. When you get in close to the proximity sensor, it opens the door. That's really, really important. And so I think that's what you got to understand. Like, proximity really matters because when you go to, if you go to a Publix and you walk, and if you're, not in, if you're over here in the proximity sensor over there, the door ain't going to open. And some of you guys, you're wondering why some the doors that you want and the doors of opportunity are not open for you because you're on the outside of the right people, the right places, and the right things. But when you begin to get in the middle, you get in proximity to those things, some doors are going to begin to open. As again, what does the Bible say in verse 8? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, he says this, he says, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up, he took up his mat, and he walked out. I love this. He walked out like, yo, what's up? Yeah, yeah, y'all thought y'all was holding the brother down. I saw y'all wasn't trying to let us in in the front door. I saw y'all on that mat. That's why he went to the back door right there, and we had to get on that ladder. Y'all was just hating because y'all didn't want to see the blessing because there's going to be some people and the enemy, they're going to hate on you. They don't want you to get through the door. But guess what? Jesus is going to say, you know what? If you keep doing it my way, I got a back door. I got a secret entrance that your boss can't hold you back from, that those haters can't hold you back from, that that last relationship can't hold you back from. That's what Jesus wanted to remind you. This amazed everyone. They praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. You know, I told you about that inmate, Lou, when we had interviewed him, and um, 
at the time of this interview, one of our board members was a retired judge, and he was the one that would do most of the interviews. And, and we were sitting there interviewing Lou, um, and we were talking about, like, like, Lou, what changed for you? You've been in prison for 34 years. And we look at your jacket, which is like his record, and see like you had a bunch of write-ups when you first got here, and you've had like a 29-year period where you haven't gotten any write-ups. What changed? And he said, he'd never forget, he said, 20-something years ago, he went to a faith and character program inside the prison facility, and he made the decision to, to give his life to Jesus. And at that point, he just realized that even in prison, he had to make decisions about who he was going to hang out with. He never knew if he was going to get out, when he was going to get out. But he knew that he needed to make sure that he was around the right people that were doing the right things, right? And he's in the prison. And then he said, then what really changed it for me was, I mean, mind you, he's in Oklahoma. He said, my brother um, hitchhiked from Montana one day to visit me. And he said he hitchhiked from Montana. He said he wanted to come there just for a couple of the reasons. He said, number one, he wanted to put a Bible in my hand. He wanted to tell me that he loved me and that my sins were forgiven. And I said, so the Bible probably means a lot to you. He said, yeah, it's my most prized possession. Here's what I want to say to you, my friends. You haven't been in prison for 34 years physically, but many of you have been carrying some stuff for 34 years. You haven't been paralyzed on the mat like our friend in the text, but many of you have been paralyzed by the fears of you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You don't deserve a godly situation. You're too old to do that. You're too young to do that. That's not for you. That situation's not for you. It could never be you. It's always for them. But Jesus sent me here today just to remind you of a simple thought. If you get in proximity to the right people, stay in the right places, and more importantly, if you will just focus on the right things, and that's the things of Jesus. And when you do that, I'm telling you, the doors of opportunity will start opening up for you. The doors of blessing will start opening up for you. If it feels rough, the one thing that this text is reminding us is that sometimes you got to go through something in order to get to something. I don't know what you're carrying today, but Jesus wants you to remind you that you got to just keep digging. You've been addicted to drugs and alcohol? Just keep digging. Your relationship is hanging on by a thread? Just keep digging. Your son or daughter, they've ran from the Lord? Just keep Keep digging. You've been praying for Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Just keep digging. Stage four cancer. Just keep digging. You don't think you're good enough? Just keep digging. Your bank account is zero. Just keep digging. You got lots of questions. Just keep digging. You need lots of answers. Just keep digging. You came in with a heavy weight. Just keep digging. You were molested as a child. Just keep digging. You're paralyzed by fear. Just keep digging. I don't know what you came in with today, but I do know this as we serve an amazing God and he wants to remind you that blessing is on the other side of if you will just keep digging. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for every single person that's under the sound of my voice right now and with heads bowed and eyes closed. Those of you who would be honest and say, you know what, there's been some times in my life and maybe that time is right now 
that haven't been in proximity to the right people, place, and things. And I want to change that today all across this room and everybody online. Just lift your hand up right now and say, I want to change that. I want to change my, my proximity, my situation. I, I want to do some operation. I want to do some surgery. God, I pray for every single hand that's lifted up right now. God, I don't know the details of the parts of their lives where they need to draw closer to you, where they need to change their proximity and their situation, God, but you do. And I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would open up the doors of opportunity as they begin to change friends. They begin to break relations. They begin to see themselves in the way that you see them God I pray that you would bless them you can put your hands down now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed this is the most important part of our time together I'm just going to keep it a hundred keep it a buck one thing that breaks my heart is that in a room this size and so many people online is that I know that if life were to end today for many people they would miss heaven by 12 inches because they have a head knowledge but they don't have a full heart acceptance yeah yeah. And here in a few moments, you'll have the opportunity to make the most important decision of your entire life. But know the enemy's going to whisper in your ear, that's not for you. And you're going to tell the enemy to get behind you. And in a moment, you're going to make the decision to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time. And what you need to know, man, it's not some, some magic potion or some magic pill. But what it means is that you'll begin to be able to draw closer to him and understanding the right people, the right place, and the right things. So if you're here today, say, you know what? Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to wash my sins away. And I want you to make me brand new. If that's you and that's your prayer right where you are right now, raise your hand high right now. Make the decision to surrender your life to Jesus. Hands going up all over the room. I see young people. I see people on the balcony. I see some people, man, so many people raising their hand, making the decision to surrender life to Jesus. Ma'am, wipe those tears away. Others of you, just keep, raise your hand real high. All right, free life. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer out loud together as a church family with every single person that's making the decision to surrender their life to Jesus. And you're not going to pray it alone. We're going to pray it out loud together as a church family. At the end, we're going to celebrate the life change that's happening. So I want every single person to repeat this prayer after me saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus who died on the cross for my sins. Today I choose to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Change me and make me brand new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus today. Come on now. Come on, let's give it up for King Jesus. Give him 20 seconds of praise. Come on now.